Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Give us ears to hear your truth, and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw close to you. May we thirst for the water that your love brings us. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. No doubt as they came through, uh, you had to kind of wonder, is is this going to be a cruel joke to Herod? Their, their question came up and it says, well, where is he who is born king of the Jews? Because you see, Herod wasn't born king of the Jews. He was placed there and Herod knew that the only reason he got that job is because of trickery, deceit, lies, and murder. But we want to see him who's born king of the Jews. I think that got Herod pretty nervous at that point in time right there. How much impact does your life have? That's the central question Pastor David poses today as we hear how God uses ordinary people for His glory. The truth is, you may not ever know how far the ripples of your godly examples have extended during your lifetime. Even if you've lived more of your life as a broken sinner, you can be used greatly. And the proof is in the examples that we'll hear today. Let this teaching from Pastor David encourage and strengthen your spirit to make a positive impact to those around you. Now here's Pastor David with part two of today's message entitled, Led by a Star. the little pictures of uh, these little vessels of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Now, I want you to take your mind and go back to the kings of that day. And you come from a distant land, about a thousand miles away, and you come with this little box of frankincense. And we say, we want to honor you as the king. The king's going to look at that and says, what's this? That's not very much. I, I, I don't doubt that they probably had a couple of camel loads of frankincense and myrrh. They've come to honor a king. Where do we get the picture that they come with this little sample of uh, frankincense and myrrh and gold? They came a distance of about a thousand miles if they came from Parthia. If they did, and granted this is speculation, but historically that's where the Magi were. That's who they were and where they came from. We can see that in the books of history. If they came from Parthia, about a thousand mile journey, and they had with them gifts of uh, rarity and of expense, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, I guarantee you that they probably had a mounted cavalry with them, an escort to guard over them. I believe personally, and yeah, some speculation on my point, that as they came into Jerusalem, that there was quite the entourage that came with them. And I believe that it probably stirred things up in Jerusalem quite a bit because they could see them coming for quite a while. And yet they see that, no, they're, they're coming in peace. These aren't warriors, they're coming in peace. These were most likely the king makers. 
the ones that, again, in the Parthian Empire, these, these guys were also respected by the Greeks and the Romans, by the way. Through the years, the, these wise men, these magi, had been around since the time of Daniel. Highly uh, respected in the cultures of that day. No doubt with his large entourage. No doubt as they came through, uh, you had to kind of wonder, is, is this going to be a cruel joke to Herod? Their, their question came up and it says, well, where is he who is born king of the Jews? Because you see, Herod wasn't born king of the Jews. He was placed there and Herod knew that the only reason he got that job is because of trickery, deceit, lies, and murder. But we want to see him who's born king of the Jews. I think that got Herod pretty nervous at that point in time right there. Where, or maybe they were honoring him. Maybe they were coming to see the king, but they wanted to go to the present king first. And, well, we know that you're not the born king of the Jews, but we'll come and uh, because of your position, we'll honor you and say, where is, the, you know, you're the king, but we want to see the one that's born king of the Jews. Again, maybe they just figured that Herod, since he was the ruler over their area, he would at least know where this new king was born. Whatever purpose of going to Herod, we find out that a little bit later, they, they, Herod brings in his counselors and they look through the scriptures. They realize that the, the new king would be born in Bethlehem. We'll touch on that in a moment. But one of the things that they told Herod was, we have seen his star in the east and we've come to worship him. It's interesting. They didn't say, well, we worship you, Herod, as the king, but there's another one we want to worship also. No. No, we're just using you, uh, you know, as the information center. But there is a king we're going to go to. He's the one we're going to worship. And again, we read a lot. Uh, we, we, we hear a lot of uh, speculation and conjecture over what the star actually was. And there's been a lot of people speaking about the pattern of the stars or the planets during that time. Some speak that the planets Jupiter, Mars, and Saturn were all in a particular cluster at that point in that time. And that was the brightness of the star that the wise men saw. And so they traveled that way. Documentaries have been produced. It's been aired on Christian television. Television, as well as secular television about the lining up of these particular planets. We've also heard stories that it might have been a, a, a comet, like uh, Halley's Comet. Halley's Comet went through the area, but it was around 11 BC, uh, way too early for the birth of Christ. The problem with all of these, again, is the, the visual appearance and the action of this star. The word that uh, Luke uses here in the New Testament for star is ashtar. And it can be interpreted as a star, but it can also be interpreted as any heavenly light. Uh, and I believe that along with a lot of other folks, that this was not a natural phenomenon, i.e. like a, a comet or like a, a lining up of planets. I don't believe that it was natural at all. I believe that it was a supernatural thing. Not unlike what we read in the Old Testament of the Shekinah glory of God just being present and making itself known. Not unlike as the children of Israel wandered through the wilderness and remember a cloud went before them and at night that pillar of fire that was there that, that led them. And if you'll remember on that cloud and that pillar of fire, it would move and the children of Israel would move. It would stop and the children of Israel would stop and they would make camp. You see, that moved and, and, and stopped at, at appropriate times. And when we look at this star that these wise men saw, it says the star went before them, and a little bit later we'll read, and it stopped over the house 
uh, planets aren't going to do that. A, a comet is not going to do that. A natural phenomenon is not going to do that. It had to be a supernatural work of the Lord. Moving at certain times, stopping at certain times. There's no alignment of planets that could have been so accurate. There's no comet that could have, you know, zipping across the sky and then all of a sudden it stops and it's right there. Well, okay, this must be the place. No. It says in verse 10 that when they saw the star, they, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. It's interesting. This is after they had been to Jerusalem. It makes me wonder, even at that point in time, did that star, that heavenly light, stop for a while as they went into Jerusalem? And then after they left King Herod, well, King Herod said, and King Herod's counselor said that he was down in Bethlehem. Bethlehem's about six miles away. They could have found Bethlehem without the star, no problem. Just go out uh, uh, Jerusalem's gates and head south and a little bit west. You'll run into Bethlehem. But as they came, it says, and then again, they saw the star. They were uh, filled with exceeding great joy. God was leading them and directing them to right where the Christ child was. Now, another thing that we read as we look there, there in verse 11, it says, and when they had come into the house, into the house, when I thought he was born in a stable. And, and that's where all of my nativity thing and where the wise men are. No, by the time the wise men got there, scripture leaves, a, there, there's a blank of time there. We believe that it could have been uh, uh, days, weeks, perhaps even months uh, between the birth of Christ and the arrival of the wise men. They arrived and he was in a house. Uh, undoubtedly, after the child was born, someone uh, took sympathy upon this young couple and invited them into the house to be able to stay with that young baby. How long that they were there? They stayed at least until the wise men got there. And we could look on in the story. We realized that uh, after the wise men had been there and they, they worshipped the child, then the Lord warned them uh, in a dream that, hey, don't go back to Herod because Herod desires to kill this one. And so they left another way. And then Joseph and Mary, they also, Joseph also had a dream from the Lord and he left, went down with the family down to Egypt and stayed there for a while until Herod passed away. All of these things taking place by the time, by, by the direction, by the purpose and the plan of God. All of these things, as we spoke even last week, about the inconvenience of all of these things. And yet it was all within God's plan and God's purpose. There's things that happen within our lives we don't understand today. We may not understand tomorrow. We may not understand for the next 10 years what happened in our life last week. But when we trust our lives to the Lord, and when we just surrender, saying that my life is yours, then these things become less of a burden on us and more of an exciting anticipation. Well, last year, man, it was an absolute pits. It was the worst year of my life, but I'm so excited to find out what God has in store for me. You know, we, we can have that attitude. We can have that attitude saying, you know what, that was horrible. But I know that my God declares that he's going to take all things and work them together for good to those that love him. Now, you might be asking at this point in time, what in the world does this really have with Daniel? I believe that Daniel's influence with these wise men of Nebuchadnezzar's court, that's what led these wise men to search out even the Jewish scriptures. I believe that Daniel's influence, not only for the wise men, 
of his current generation, but I believe that his influence continued on generation after generation after generation. 2,500 years before we are, about 500 years before Christ, Daniel's willingness to stand as a man of integrity, to stand of a man trustworthy to the world that was around him, a man who is willing to speak the truth in love, a man who continued to follow after the one true God and committed his life to him, impacted that generation and the generations to come in such a powerful way that these magi, literally and truly, they they were pagan people. They did not worship the one true God. They worshiped a multitude of gods. The Parthians, uh, again, in all of their culture, but when they discovered the word from the Jewish scriptures that declare, that spoke of this coming Messiah, and they came and they worshiped, I believe that God changed their lives. Now, give me chapter and verse, I can't tell you that. But I can tell you that they came and they worshiped the one true Messiah. I believe that not only from Daniel's declarations, but in assorted other Jewish prophecies, that's what led these Parthian magi to come looking for the king of Jews once they saw his star in the east. Now, where did they get the idea of the star? Well, that's actually, we could go back to the book of Numbers. In the book of Numbers, chapter 24, verse 17, a fellow by the name of Balaam. Some of you know who Balaam is. Balaam was a prophet, but he wasn't a godly prophet. He was a prophet that could be bought and and hired. Uh, It's the kind of guy that says, hey, uh, I'm going to pay you to come and and give a bad prophecy. And that's exactly what Balak did, uh, paid Balaam to come and prophesy against Israel. And every time that Balaam, one who was not following the Lord, every time he tried to come and curse Israel, the Lord gave him blessing instead. Can God really work in the hearts and the lives of non-believers in a way that honors him. Yeah, I believe so. I believe that God can speak through people who don't really know him because he's doing it for his glory. How that works, I don't know. But I do know that the greatness and the majesty and the might and the power and the sovereignty of Almighty God can do as he pleases. And he pleased to work through the voice of a prophet by the name of Balaam, who was not following Jehovah, who was not faithful to the one true God. But Balaam declared this in chapter 24 of Numbers, verse 17. He says, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob. A scepter shall rise out of Israel. Balaam, years before the birth of Christ, says, I, I see him speaking a, a messianic prophecy, oh, but it's, it's not right now. I behold him, but, but it's not near. It's, it's not in my time frame. He says, but a star shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. It wasn't during the days of the wilderness wanderings that the Savior came. God waited until the fullness of time to reveal himself through the sending of his son. And now it was time for the Magi to come looking for that king, the star that led them to the house where Jesus and Mary and Joseph were staying at that time. Again, as it 
we looked a moment ago, but in verse 11 of Matthew 2, when they had come into the house, they saw the young child and Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him. Those gifts that we spoke about a little bit earlier, the gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh. And then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. Again, they didn't worship Herod. No, they came and they found this tiny baby. Most probably only a couple of weeks old, rocking in his mother's arms. These great men fell on their faces before him. To this baby, they gave the honor that was due a king. The very thing that Herod craved, this baby received. And whether they, as the Magi, understand the fullness of his mission, the fullness of his calling, we don't know. But they gave him gifts fully befitting his call, fully befitting his purpose as king and priest and sacrifice. The gold, the gift for a king, frankincense used by the priest in times of worship, myrrh used for the preparation of the funeral. Another way we could look at it is gold, given in respect for his majesty, the king of kings. The frankincense, given for his deity, God in human flesh. The myrrh, speaking of his humanity, the fact and the reality of his suffering, the fact that he is a servant, the fact that he will become the sacrifice. Interesting how God used this group of Gentiles to come and declare the fullness of the kingship of the Christ child. I believe that in the long run of things, we see the impact of a man like Daniel that touched the lives of the people that were around him, and that continued to touch lives and touch lives. It's like if you and I were to go to a huge pond, very calmness of a day, very still waters like glass, and as far as we could chuck a big old rock, throw it out in the middle of that pond, and the waves continue on and on and on and on. The impact of that one rock. How much impact does your life have? You know, for many of us, we won't know the impact of our life until we get to glory. Some, we, we see a loved one that has come to Christ because of the faithfulness of, of your testimony, because of the faithfulness of your prayers for them. And you, you've been able to see God work through your life as chipped and stained, as cracked as you may be, yet God uses those kinds of vessels, just like he would use Gentile magi to declare the kingship of the king of kings, the Christ child. He can use you and I for his glory. But we've got to be made available. We've got to make ourselves available. And just as Daniel was a man of integrity, a man trustworthy, a man loyal in his following of the one true God, you and I, as we live our lives this way, are going to impact the world that's around us. And we may impact generation for generation for generation. Because of the faithfulness of a Sunday school teacher that spoke to one young man, led him to Christ, to see that young man catch on fire for the things of the Lord, and impact from there, a baseball player, a group of citizens, a young man that couldn't even come to his own church's youth group to see what's going on. How well do you impact your nation? I don't impact my nation at all. Well, let me ask you, how well do you impact your state? Well, I haven't really done much in the state. Let me ask you, how, how well do you impact your workplace or your school or your neighborhood? Let me ask you this. Let's just bring it on home. 
How well do you impact the circle of people around you? Most of you know that this last uh, three months, this last three months for my family has been rather difficult. And I lost my mother, lost uh, a sister-in-law, and lost a first cousin who lives up in the Phoenix area. Uh, my, my first cousin, John, he knew the Lord. He's, he's a guy that came to the Lord late in life. Um, when I think of John, um, John to me was, he was, he was the rebel of the family. He, was, uh, he grew up uh, when black leather jackets meant that you were the bad dude, okay? You weren't just trendy. Uh, that was Johnny. But you know what? His daughter, Kelly, came to the Lord years and years and years ago. And Kelly was faithful through a divorce and through all kinds of things, just really seek the Lord in her life. And she was really close to her mom and dad, and, and Kelly continually would speak to my cousin John about the things of the Lord. And just continually, not, not, not pestering, not pounding, but just that gentle urging, hey, our church is having this this weekend. Would you like to come? No, I don't do that. Hey, hey, there's this thing happening this weekend. Would you like to come? No, I don't do that. Well, eventually, John started going to her church. John and his wife, Bev, both came to a saving knowledge of Christ years ago. But it's just the faithfulness of Kelly. I believe, truly, that God used her to impact his life. And you know, John's life, because he had been such a, a ruckus rouser in his early days, when he came to Christ, those guys that used to hang around with him, they became impacted because of his life. And it's interesting, it'll be interesting to see who all is going to show up at his funeral and the impact of the message of Christ for this one life. How much influence does your life have? More than you'll ever begin to imagine. And that influence is going to be either positive or negative. I guarantee you, to those that are close to you, it's not neutral. It'll never be neutral. But to those that are closest to you, it's either a positive impact or a negative impact. My hope, my prayer, is that you would live your life to have that positive impact. And the only way that you can really and truly have the positive impact that's necessary is if you truly know the Lord Jesus Christ. If you've truly given your heart and life to him and you know that you are his and you've surrendered your life to him and now you are walking in obedience and faithfulness to him, you see your life outside of Christ? Oh, you can, you can be a good person, a good guy, a good gal. You, you can do good deeds, and you might have an impact that way in their lives. But you'll never have an eternal impact on people's lives until you, first of all, get eternity squared around. Until you come to that knowledge and that understanding that Christ died for your sin. And he offers to you everlasting, eternal life, and the forgiveness of sin, not just a covering over, not just a temporary care for, but a forgiveness of sin, past, present, and future. And if you're here today and you've observed these baptisms, you've, you've heard the message preached today, and you've never given your heart and life to Jesus Christ, let me encourage you this morning before you leave here to get that right. If you get nothing else right in all of life, get that right. Because, beloved, that's eternal consequences right there. And when you get that right, you can become an eternally positive influence on the world around you. Open our hearts.
On behalf of Pastor David Landry and the production team here at The Open Word, we want to wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. This has been a special edition of The Open Word with Pastor David Landry of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande in Casa Grande, Arizona. To learn more about The Open Word, visit our website at theopenword.com. You can download today's teaching or subscribe to The Open Word podcast. Subscribing to The Open Word podcast is the best way to stay up to date with all of the latest messages from David. To subscribe, log on to theopenword.com, click on the podcast option on the home page, or simply search for The Open Word in the iTunes store. You can also give us a call if you'd like. That number to call is 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. Another option to get in touch with us is to send us an email. Our email address is info at theopenword.com. That's info at theopenword.com. When you contact us, let us know the call letters of the station you heard The Open Word on and how today's broadcast has blessed you. Your feedback helps us know the Lord's direction for this ministry. Once again, you've been listening to The Open Word with Pastor David Landry of Calvary Chapel in Casa Grande, Arizona. And again, we want to wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year.